The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hello, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together every week to discuss all the different types of healing. Um, And that's something that we need a lot of these days, maybe now more than ever. If you're new to my show, I really want to welcome you. Thanks for being here. And if you've been coming along the ride for a while, welcome back. So, wow, is alchemy real? Alchemy is one of those topics that I love, and I, I spent some time when I was in college being obsessed with alchemy and trying to figure out if it was real. But throughout history, alchemy has been associated not only with the process of trying to turn base metal into gold, but also about the process of spiritual enlightenment. And today we have an incredible guest, um, Robert Bosnak. He's a Jungian uh, psychoanalyst and an author. Um, as we discuss the transformative power of modern-day alchemy and how it relates to our creative imagination. So welcome, Robert. So nice to have you here. Thank you very much for having me, Lisa. So let's start off with that question. What What is alchemy? If people, you know, maybe, you know, just have heard about it from <clears throat> sort of the Harry Potter universe or, the, you know, like, how, yes, what is it? Yes, I it think actually- that that's what most people, the way most people have heard about it. Um, yeah. through uh, the Sorcerer's Stone, which mm-hmm. actually is called the Philosopher's Stone, right. uh, the Stone of the Philosophers. And um, alchemy begins somewhere in Egypt and the Sumerian um, area with several inputs. It comes from metallurgy, about metals. It comes from uh, dye-making for cloth. It comes from mummification, the search for the eternity of the body. It comes from um, the medicine of the time. And um, then there are whole lots of um, ways that the imagination is part of it. That all became a conglomerate somewhere around the time of, um, of Christ. And it became a conglomerate of ideas that, that solidified into alchemy, that solidified into the search for eternal life, um, mummification, the search for what happens when colors change, um, and the search for medicine. Most of the alchemists, or many of the alchemists, were physicians. 
And um, the word physician itself comes from the notion that you're a follower of the legendary god Asclepius, then you're a physician. And so physicians use dreaming a lot. So dreaming became part of alchemy as well. And um, creative imagination was very central. And then it became very uh, big in um, in the Arab uh, lands in around the 8th century. And it came up to Europe uh, from where most of us know it most um, in the 13th, 14th, 15th century. It reached its height at the 15th century and then it started to go in decline and um, uh, in the 17th century, still, the great alchemists were scientists like Isaac Newton and Robert Boyle. Right. So for um, 1500 years, alchemy was considered to be entirely real. Mm. And, um, and then uh, the notion of reality was hijacked by materialism that the only reality is material reality. And that slowly developed and became more and more important. And after the Industrial Revolution, with the incredible triumph of technology, everything became about reality is physical reality. Hmm. And of course, a lot of alchemy is not physical reality. It is another kind of reality that is for... Uh, thousands of years seem to be just as real as physical reality. That's so interesting. So it feels like it's evolved over its very long yes. history. Yes. And, you know, I, I have always related it in my mind to two things. I, I don't, you can tell me if this is right, but one of them is kind of really that people search for gold, you know, because part of alchemy was kind of hunting for gold. Part of it was this hunting for eternal life. And I think deeper underneath that is sort of where it's a metaphor for like spiritual enlightenment and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the. Yeah. Well, the, the notion of alchemy, the notion of uh, making the gold um, is different from what we think about gold. They always say we're not after what they call the vulgar gold. Mm. They were about refinement. Refinement is related to silver. And, um, about creating value, creating more value. And they said that all metals have an innate desire to become gold. Huh. And you can see that in your own life. Um, if you just take away for a moment that you want to become more valuable in having more money in the bank, then um, value also means that your life, you want to create a more valuable life. And that is the search for gold. That is chrysopeia. Right. Chrysopeia, the search for gold, is actually creating something more valuable. And right. so what everybody is after is to create a more valuable life. And that's where we get into the, uh, the idea of the creative imagination and sort of the yeah. magical side of alchemy, which is yes. maybe like a formula for teaching us how to use our creative imagination. I love that you make a distinction between creative imagination and sort of the physical, the, like the physical desires we have um, to, to manifest a more, more value in our life. Yes. And so um, there, are, there are several ways of what, what the alchemists are trying to do. The first is refinement. It's, uh, so they start with the raw material. They call that prima materia raw material, and then they start refining it. Because their notion is that at the core of the atoms, and many, many of the alchemists were atomists, right? And mm -hmm. uh, the atom comes from Democritus, 
um, about 20, 2200 years ago, the notion of the atom. Atomos means the indivisible. And um, so uh, they said that at the core of the atom, where now we believe, after Einstein, at the core of the atom we believe is this incredible reservoir of energy, nuclear energy. They say that at the core of the atom is creativity because the creative spark that created the world is still in matter. And when we get to the core of matter, we get to the core of creativity. And therefore, it this creativity is entirely free. It has an entirely um, an entire ability to play. And so it can, in its freedom, create something entirely new. How interesting. It's almost like now quantum physicists have come back to this point where, you know, we can see, and metaphysic, metaphysicians, where we can see that sort of the quantum level, the the unlimited field of possibility that we can focus on and bring into reality when we use our creative imagination. Uh, yes. And... Um, of course, uh, um, quantum physics is being used and abused these days for all kinds of things. Um, and I am not a person that would assume that I understand quantum physics really. But one few of the things in quantum physics are really important, and that is the uncertainty principle, that you never really know um, where it is or what speed it has. You never really know. And that uncertainty principle is really very important in, um, in alchemy, that you are always in a way uncertain when you do this thing, you don't know what there is going to happen over there, and all these unintended consequences will happen. And um, uh, and then the notion that, um, that past and future are not really clear, and that there is a sense of seeing into the future that alchemy has, the notion that you can be aware of future. All these things are notions uh, that play among the alchemists. And you will see it very clearly in the books that I wrote in Red Sulfur, where there's a whole section of the novels where they are slowly getting to have more view of the future and they can see more future. And that is actually part of the whole alchemical process. So I've known, I know you've written a lot of nonfiction books. Um, mm -hmm. Recently, you've written this story, this multi-book story uh, called Red Sulfur. Yes. Um, that's a sort of a fictional, it's a fictional um, story. Yes, it's, it's, a, a fiction. it's a romance. Is that, is that what yes, it is? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. It's oh, very fun. romantic. Very yeah. romantic. So let's um, talk about it, that. What, yes, what made you make the jump from <clears throat> nonfiction to fiction? Um, well, I've always been very interested in creative imagination, and I've studied alchemy for about 50 years. <clears throat> and about 20 years ago, I had to do a lecture on alchemy. And um, so I was very interested in the history of alchemy. And I found that in 1666, um, there was a purported transmutation from lead into gold. Huh? And it was verified by, um, by scientists the scientists of the time, by the greatest philosopher of the time, Spinoza. And so I became very interested and began to research it. And then I found the only way that I can investigate this is through fiction. And so I, I took all the 
the history and the uh, and the characters that are real characters, and I put them together and see how they would start interacting. And of course, the first thing that happens is um, a torrid love affair between uh, a female alchemist and a male alchemist, and they come together. And uh, because she cannot have children, she says, "Well, my daughter, my the woman that." I brought up as my daughter can have our children for us. And that becomes a total disaster. And meanwhile, um, they are being chased by um, the kings uh, of the time because they want to use the red sulfur to create um to create gold for their wars. And uh, Louis XIV wants to use to make gold for Versailles. And, um, the, these alchemists, these three alchemists, two women and a man, they want to use it for uh, what is called the panacea, the healing potion, because alchemy is about healing, basically. Right. And um, so they have to defend it because they are trying to create a healing potion for the plague that is happening. Well, of course, we oh. know it. I, I started this book 10 years ago, long before COVID, but now we understand it much better. And so they created... Um, this this panacea for the plague, and they have to constantly defend themselves, not just from kings, but also from phantoms that desire this red sulfur because they crave it. Addictions to red sulfur and all that kind of stuff comes up in the context of the birth of science, because in the 17th century, science is born and other um, and other notions move into the background. And so it's also about the birth and the development of science, what we gained from science and what we lost from science. Mm, so interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that you, you know, you had sort of a romance going on because part of the alchemical process is called the alchemical marriage. Yes. Right? Yeah, so that, that is very much part of it, yes. Um, uh, alchemy is also a, a form of romance um, because what happens is um, that it's a fusion of it's a fusion of metals, and um, the metals um, were uh, seen to be deposited in the earth by the planets. Um, so each planet had its own metal. It was the seed, so the creative essence of that planet. So Mars implanted iron, and the sun implanted gold, and the moon implanted silver, and Saturn implanted lead, and um, uh, Jupiter implanted tin, and Venus implanted copper, and Mercury implanted mercury. So those were the implants of the planets, but the planets themselves were very interesting characters. The planets were called, the word planetos means wanderer. So they were the wanderers in the sky. They were between us and eternity. That's the firmament is eternity. The stars are eternal. So it is the connection between mortality and eternity. And so they were called, therefore, they are, um, they were called daimones. They were called presences, creative presences of a particular quality. And they are alive. So the metals, according to alchemy, the metals are alive and we communicate with the metals. The alchemist communicates with the metals and loves the metals and falls in love with the metals and the metals fall in love with each other. That is the mystical marriage, the marriage of silver, the, the metal of reflection and gold, the, 
the metal of fulfillment and perfection. And those come together and they marry, and it's a very passionate marriage. And so the, the alchemical um, work is very sexual. And therefore also, the alchemist worked together, male and female alchemists worked together and used the sexual tension between them to funnel it into the metal so the metals became more potent. Wow. That's so interesting. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love it. it. I want to. I want to read your books. I just think uh -huh. it's so. And it sounds like it's. There's so many layers, you know. Of oh yes. Metaphor and meaning, and you know yeah. that we can take out of this kind of story. Yes, yes, I think so. And I, I also think that um, uh, it can bring back the notion of participation. See, what happened was that. Um, in around 1650, so we're talking here 17th century. 17th century to me is one of the most interesting in Europe. 17th century in Europe is one of the most interesting centuries besides our own because it is the movement from uh, alchemy into science. And the difference between alchemy and science is that alchemy is participatory. As I told you, the alchemist participates in the metal. He has a love affair with the metals. She has a love affair with the metals. And they have a love affair with each other. And that is all, it's all about love and about sexuality and about potency, all that stuff. In, um, uh, in around the 14th century, 15th century begins to change. We get the notion of perspective. Um, Bruno Leschi, he, he created perspective. Perspective is a creation. And so um, we began to stand outside of the world and looking at it in one single perspective. That got stronger and stronger. And then you got the notion of the split between subjectivity and objectivity. And so we got the notion that we were subjects and everything else was an object. So then we got no longer in a state of participation with material and with matter, but we were now in, um, in a distant objectivity. And that then became stronger and stronger and stronger. And as science became more objective, the whole notion of participation with the world diminished. And that got us into the ecology crisis as we have it today, because if things are just objects, you can just burn them and take them out of the ground and do anything right. with them that you want, because they're not alive anyway. So interesting. It's kind of like in the old style of alchemy, we, we are connected. You know, we're yes. connected to the process. We're connected to the planet. We're connected to each other and, and the mm -hmm. elements, right? And we in participate. The, it's called yeah. participation. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, I love that. And that and in the modern day we observe we're observers. We're not connected. We are observers and we strive for objectivity, which has an enormous advantage. Mm. The reason why we can talk with each other is because of this. If we hadn't gone the objective route, technology would never have existed. Mm -hmm. You cannot create technology if you don't have, um, if you don't first split subjectivity from objectivity. It's a necessity for technology. And so it's very important that we went that route, but it's not the only route to go. It is not the only reality because at a certain point, materialism and especially positivist materialism took over and everything had to be matter. Yeah. And therefore our soul just got short shrift and people started to look for soul and they said, we can't find it. Hmm. So interesting. So where do you think this is evolving to now? Are we coming back into the soul? Are we coming back? Are we going to blend them or take it to a higher level? What, what's next for us? 
Well, what's next for us is uh, what um, I call the Missiverse, um, M-I-S-C-A-verse, um, which is mixture of um, different universes. Um, it is the universe of uh, cyberspace. We're going to be moving more and more into cyberspace. Um, and it is the, it's actual reality, it's virtual reality, it's mixed reality. All these realities will, are going to come together and will make the imagination very different. If you look at the generation that is now uh, Gen Z, they are already in that world. And they are very, very good at reality shifting. They, they, there are millions of, of young people who can move from one reality to another reality in a much better way than we can. And so there is a development going on of many realities existing at the same time. And we have to live in that world. And so I see the future as a mixed reality. Mm, mixture so of many realities yeah and that we can like the, that that generation is spending a lot of time already in virtual reality which is yes but they're also spending time in imagination and in creative imagination and um i have seen um young people there uh, i'm on tiktok and i've seen young people on tiktok who can do things that um uh, that I haven't seen before. I've seen it. Some people could do it. Like uh, Jung was very good at being in imagination and he could move in the way. But there are lots of young people out there that can do the same thing in in as real a way as Jung was do it, so, doing it. So there's, there is behind us a whole world of creative imagination going on that is just beginning to tap the possibilities, not just of creative imagination, but of cyberspace and of virtuality. So, yes, that's where we're going. That's, that's cool. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. And let's, um, let's talk a little bit about creative imagination and how that contributes to alchemy. Yes. Um, so the notion of creative imagination started to change and i'm sorry that i always have to go into history because uh, most people don't know the history right um it started to change around uh, 1300 um what was before that um there were three worlds there was the world of matter physicality there was the world of eternity and the divine um, and what we call spirit or what in uh, science is called mathematics. Um, and there's a world in between, like, like I was talking about the, the, the planets, the world in between mortality and immortality. And that is the world of creative imagination and creative imagination, that world in between where, um, where thoughts express themselves as personifications and as images and where there is, um, and where the images have, uh, substance. These are not insubstantial images. These images had their own substance. Like when you're in a dream, you know that you're in a real world. You're completely, you know it. You know that you're in a real world. You know that you're yeah. awake in a real world. That is right. uh, in a dream. And so that was seen as a form of reality. Then what happened in around the 13th, 14th century is that suddenly we moved, this is called Neoplatonism, we moved to the Aristotelian world in which there was body and mind or spirit and matter. Uh, 
the whole third that in between the creative imagination dropped out. And slowly over 800 years, the creative imagination became the opposite of reality, hmm. like Disney World. And um, so um, it's really important to see that creative imagination is a form of reality. It is a fully embodied form of reality. And we can see it every night when we dream, when we are in the creative imagination, because dreams are, as I say always, dreams are cosmogonic. Uh, cosmogonic means that they create worlds. They constantly create worlds. And these worlds are experienced as entirely real. And so we're in these real worlds of imagination every night. And then we wake up and we call it a dream. And then we move it into our culture. And some people say it's about the ancestors. Other people say it's gibberish. Other people say it is um, about the future. Everybody has their own ideas. Every culture has their own ideas. But while you're dreaming, you're in a real world that surrounds you and that is fully embodied. And that is the creative imagination. Thank you. That's That was an amazing explanation. So Robert, let's um, let's share with people where they can reach you, where they can reach your website and and uh, and your books if they want to learn more about your amazing yes. work. So um, if you want to know about my nonfiction work, uh, all my books are on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to learn more about my nonfiction work, you can go to jungplatform.com. Jungplatform.com is where all my lectures are, hundreds of hours of my lectures. Wow. And um, and so there you can find my lectures if you look uh, under Teachers Robert Bosnack. And then my um, series of novels, Red Sulfur, the Red Sulfur Saga, you can find under redsulfursaga.com. And um, there you can can see the trailer of it. And you can see that these books, and I love the covers, um, these books are um, available at Amazon. And I hope that you will take a look at it because I worked on it for 10 years. And it's a fabulous love story about a historical period that is really important that is very similar to our own. It's a time of the plague, and it is where science takes over from Aboriginal um, European thought that was alchemy. Wow. Well, I'm going to get them because I um, I can't wait to read them. I just think they're full of inspiration and magic and romance, and and seem they seem really relevant to where we are right now in the world. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Robert. I I, um, I appreciate you so much and the work that you've done. And it's quite a, a, a lifetime of scholarship that you've put into this mm-hmm. uh, concept. So thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it enormously. Yeah, and thanks all of you who are listening. If you want to find me, you can find me at my website, lisacampion.com. I hope you come by and visit. Um, I have a lot of free resources there for people for intuitive development. If you're feeling like you're sensitive and you need some help with your empathic nature, I got you. So come by and visit um, lisacampion.com. And thanks for being with us today on The Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Empower Radio. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition 
and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.